and um and he shit what was the question again never feel pressure to create the perfect season yeah oh he would right sorry thanks ah, i just you know i go on these answers and then i forget oh um, my god Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Forest in Features. I'm Thomas Moore, your co-host, and we have a special welcome back for our friend Kevin Seaver. Yay! I'm not dead. You're not dead. That's good. You I'm know. fully alive. We I'm, always knew you were alive, buddy. Thank you, Thomas. I'm really glad to be back. Thomas has been doing a really good job of keeping this podcast alive. Oh, we missed you. Oh, I missed you. <laughs> you know... It's good. It, it'll be a good time. Um, I'm excited about this episode. Uh, you might be wondering, like, what could this episode possibly be about? We've covered every show. The show, the season is ending. I mean, realistically. Yeah, we're already in our last weekend of our last show of the season. Uh, but Thomas and I were talking on the way here that we never really had a chance to kind of introduce you to the reason that we're here that we're in this space and that we're doing these shows and what a great opportunity to talk to the man the myth the legend the michael sheiks right (laughs) sure i'll go with that the lead yeah okay it's an earned title uh sure fine yeah (laughs) you don't have that t-shirt i do not have a t-shirt that says that no although uh (laughs) when i was um when I was uh, directing at the high school earlier in my career, one of the parents got me a shirt that said something to the effect of, uh, I'm not God, it just seems that way, or something like that. Well, at least to keep you grounded. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. I like that energy. I mean, you you kind of are like, I mean, you're, to say you're the God of the forest in would... Yeah, let's maybe not, not be right. Yeah, let's but, not go down that but road. you are you're definitely um, you know a big a big energy in the building. Um, I kind of want to ask you, Michael, if you could kind of do your your sales pitch, if you will, um, of the inn. Like, uh, why did you open it up? What brought you here? What attracted you here? Why are you here? I mean, I have the standard story that I tell to people at the bar, right? I'm behind the bar. Right. The bar, they're like, so how did you, you know, so do you, so you from around here is what they will typically ask. Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. But the story goes like this. I uh, went back to graduate school in when I was about fifth something and got my MFA in directing and when I finished that process uh, I had abandoned all of my previous careers and was looking to start my own theater 
And I was in Minneapolis, which really didn't need another theater. And so what we were thinking, <laughs> uh, so I was talking to some people. We were thinking, well, wouldn't it be cool to create a performing arts retreat center? And we were thinking someplace a couple hours outside of Minneapolis and servicing the Minneapolis, the Minnesota community. Uh, and at the same time, I just finished my MFA, so I needed a job. And uh, the UW system at the time, which was the two-year colleges were their own system, needed uh, somebody to teach at the Manitowoc campus and run the theater program. So I took a nine-month contract there. It was adjunct. Didn't expect to stay. Thought I literally got a nine-month lease on a room in Manitowoc. And I figured I'd be gone by May. And I was somewhat surprised and delighted to discover that the arts community in this area is fairly robust and what's interesting about that so that's that is a function of the corridor that runs from chicago to door county uh so you get a lot of people coming out of chicago coming north uh through manitowoc to door county and as a consequence a lot of artists end up in the area because there is this flow of people who are paying for art so you had uh good visual artists uh good theater communities good music communities and so there's just a lot more art happening here than i expected so it got to be november of 2016 i was three months into this contract and i thought mm, i don't know that i want to go back to minneapolis and do some of the things I was doing there. And Catherine Egger had told me about this place in Tish Mills. And so I came back from Thanksgiving, visiting family and talking to friends. And I said, show me this place in Tish Mills. And so she did. So it was December 1st, I walked through what we used to refer to, well, I still refer to it as the Red Door. And the building was cold and moldy, and uh, but it was all here. And I looked around and walked around. There was even liquor in the bar. And we, I walked around and we walked around the building and I'm like, how the hell is this place closed? Like how this place cannot be closed. This place must be open. So we started a process of negotiating with uh, the Kaminsky family. Um, Ron uh, had uh, Alzheimer's at this point. And so by spring, we negotiated some a price because I didn't have a lot of money and we figured it all out. And in August, I owned the building. And my vision for the space at that time really was focused around this idea of a performing arts retreat center. But job one was establishing a patron base and just getting the nonprofit going. And there was a lot of work to be done with that. So that process started in September of 17. And we're now five years later and we've established a patron base and we've got some things going. And now we're starting to talk about creating the Performing Arts Retreat Center. So it's it's been a process to get here, um, but that's how I ended up living in Wisconsin, says the city boy. It's a much more interesting story than I've heard some other people say. <laughs> some of us were just plopped here against yeah. our will. You know, I just came here when I was 12 and never came back. <laughs> never left, I suppose. Well, you're young. There's a lot of opportunities for uh, the universe to take you in different directions. Right. That's true. I could uh, have a Michael Sheik story yet. Uh, we'll you see. can, yeah. It, yeah, it did, yeah. Um, thank you for that introduction, Michael. Um, we um, want to kind of go over 
this past season. You know, we want to talk a little bit about some of the highlights and trends from this past season. What are some aspects of the last season that we had? Some shows, things that you didn't expect, you know, um, um, some big takeaways from this previous season. Yeah, well, this was the year of uh, discovering that other people know more than I do. Uh, it was <laughs> it was really quite delightful. So, you know, the first few years, it was... I mean, it was really mostly about doing the shows that were on my list and, uh, and that I thought people would want to see or that I wanted to do and kind of establishing who we were and what are my concepts for the space. And one of the pieces of the mission statement of the Arts Collective is that we are here to provide opportunities for people to do and see things that they might not see elsewhere to bring good art, good performance art to Northeast Wisconsin. And so in the first few years, there was a real focus on that. But this year was a year when after a couple of years of my directing and being heavily involved in most of the productions in any given season, this was the year of, okay, I can't do all this. I need to have other people taking ownership of uh, the various productions. And so there were a lot of shows in this season that were suggested by other individuals um, that were not necessarily on my list. Uh, you know, and I go through the season and I think about it, She Kills Monsters was not a show that I would have selected. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Sonia Vanya Smash and Spike was not a show that I would necessarily, although I do like I do like the playwright, but um, carry the musical, right? Yep, <laughs> yes. carry the musical was very much like that. Cabaret was not a show that I would have thought about doing. Um, it just the sh the season had a lot of things in it that I didn't necessarily select, but were rather a reflection of the community that we've built and the people in the community that wanted to do things. Mm -hmm. um, and those things were super popular. Uh, like really great energy, both in terms of the acting community and the ensembles, as well as the patrons. Uh, and so it's sort of like, so one of the things that like, as an example, I think sort of emblematic of this movement away from what does Michael want to do to what does the community want, uh, is the hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hoodies. Did you so, sell a lot of them or what? No, 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 no. But, but we've sold a third of them or more. So the first time we did wearables, it was a bunch of things that I thought people would like. <laughs> oh, I see. I get where you're going. Huh? <laughs> and I thought people would like denim. I thought people would <laughs> like vests. And uh, apparently that is not the case. And it was a slow slog to sell them. Whereas we did hoodies, which I never wear hoodies. And I'm like, hoodies? Okay. And they're like, everybody's like, comes in, it's like, oh my God, I want a hoodie. Uh, okay. And it's sort of the same thing with, you know, Carrie and, and She Kills Monsters and some of the other things that were on the schedule this year. It's like, okay, well, apparently this is what people want to do. And so one of my, one of my takeaways from the year has been that it is to our, um, one of the things that when we looked at the 2023 season is, there was a lot of going to the community and saying, well, what should we do? What 
not even what should we do, what do you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of projects do you want to bring to the table that we can do within the 2023 season? And I think as we move forward, there'll be more of that, where the board and the various people who are making these decisions are looking at what is it that the community wants to do and how does that fit into the mission and doing a blend? And so it becomes less about what I'm necessarily looking to do, which is a lovely thing, right? That is absolutely what I'm looking for the organization to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but this season was one of the most robust seasons since we've opened, right? Like we've performed more shows in a single season this season uh, than yes. usual? Yes, by just a, but only by a few. So we did... I mean, from day one, we were doing a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would have to, off the top of my head, I mean, I think we were doing like eight or nine shows in each of the first couple of seasons. And this year we did 11, 12, if you include the two. Yeah. If you include the two. Um, I mean, basically this year, like next year, we do a show every month from March through December, which is 10. And then we did two um, pub shows, so that's 12. So we did 12 fully staged productions this year, and that's also what we're doing next year. And that's two or three more than what we've done in the past. But we've always had a fairly aggressive schedule. Yeah. I've always been one to, you know, it's like you got you to gotta theater, and, you know, oh, yeah, she should be doing something. Right, right. Uh, the, the Inn is like one of the... F- few companies that I know of in the area, again, correct me if I'm wrong, that really kind of takes advantage of all this time that we have and the space that we have, which I think is really unique. But even like an organization like Green Bay Community Theater, which has its own building, is still only doing, I don't know what they do, four or five shows. They do a lot, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they don't want to overtax their volunteer corps right Mm -hmm. and my thinking is well as long as there's somebody here to help coordinate and keep the focus each individual production has its own group of people who carry that production so it's not like the same group of people i mean you know we do 12 shows but there's a hundred different people in a given year who are producing and creating those shows. I mean, and it's more like a professional model, which is the which is the vision that I bring to it. It's more like the companies in in Milwaukee or Chicago. You've got a facility. You don't have a dark weekend unless you could, you know, if you can avoid it. You've got a show, and you run your show for as long as makes sense for your patron base. And then, as soon as that show is done, you start some. You have something else opening, uh, because that is how you pay the rent and pay the utilities. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you if you want to make this work, and I've said this from the very beginning, if we want to make this work, we need to be filling seats every weekend from March into December in order to make the financial piece work. By 2025, we get to that place where we were selling 6,000 tickets. And at that point, the business model works and the whole operation is self-sufficient and can carry into the future when anybody can sit in my chair and do what I'm doing. It doesn't need to be me anymore. But at some point, an organization like this needs to function 
by hiring professionals to do things for a reasonable compensation base. That answers the simple question of why do we do things every weekend? Because in order to be who we want to be, we need to be that full. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And kind of touching on something that you mentioned before, like bringing people in who aren't necessarily you at some point, that's kind of already happened this year with um, bringing in a lot of directors. Yes. Um, Thomas and I both had the opportunity to direct shows in this past season. Um, do you want to kind of elaborate on that effort? Like, where did that come from and how do you feel it went? Yeah. Um, it went great. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and it, and clearly that's how it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the impetus for it is, well, obviously that's how it needs to be. It would be ridiculous and it would not be the same organization if I was directing every show and every show was my show. That's not who we are, nor is it who we want to be. And so then it just becomes a question of, okay, well, how do you identify directors and how do you bring them in and, and, um, and and how do you develop directors, right? Uh, and 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 give them the experiences they need to hone their craft and to make sure that they're coming into it with the level of professionalism that we're looking for. So when I look at the people that have been involved in the things that we've done, I look for people who have the skill sets that are necessary to manage an ensemble it's a it's a it, directing is an interesting and difficult challenge because you have to balance you can't be a narcissist you can't be it cannot be about you a director needs to understand how to gather people together and then step out of the way so that those people can take ownership and get excited about what they're doing and be successful theater doesn't work if one person carries the vision you can have somebody you, you have to have somebody with the with the kernel of vision the beginning of vision but then that vision has to grow and gather through the collaborative experience and the process that gets us to opening night mm -hmm. and so part of it's been looking for people like that who who can we bring in who enjoy guiding and leading and committing but also stepping back and demurring so that the other members of the collaborative effort feel ownership and so it is a process of developing a community of artists for whom that is a skill set yeah going forward i mean we could really kind of just jump into next season a little bit. I'd love to talk a little bit about next season. Um, so um, how does the season get picked initially? I know we kind of touched, you touched on it briefly here, you know, momentarily, but you know, how do, how do you go about um, getting the shows together? How does the board work with you on that? Session? Yeah. So to, to a great degree, the process is still, I still carry the process fairly personally we're still in a place where I have to trust my vision. That's part of what got us here. And yet at the same time, as I learned this year, my vision is not sufficient. So our process is sort of, so here's the process. So over the course of a given year, uh, 
Typically in the bar in informal settings over <laughs> drinks. Yep, for sure. People will say to me, oh, you know what you should do? You should do blah, blah, blah. And then I don't remember that. Uh, and then, um, and so what I do is I try and encourage people to send me a note or an email or a message so that they can give me titles. And then I have a, a document, a file where I keep those titles. Anyway, so we gather, we gather titles forever through sometime in the summer. So anyway, we gather a bunch of information and then that creates a list which i then forward to the board so the board of directors the board of directors looks at that list they add additional titles to the list and then we take all of the they then we take all of the titles that have been suggested with some winnowing based on what work what you know some shows just won't work here or the rights aren't available you know it's like oh we would love to do that but you can't and then we do an audience survey in uh september and early october uh, with the titles that we are most interested in thinking about for the following season. We get feedback from our patrons based on that survey, and then that information goes back to the board who provides input into what they think about that. And then usually by the beginning of October, I will provide the board with a tentative slate for the season. There's discussion, there's rearrangements, they get some feedback from people as they see it, and then by the end of October, we have a final slate that the board approves. And um, and then what I look at personally when I look at the season is balance, right? I mean, uh, we're not doing, I, t I like to do an American classic. We're not really doing an American classic next year, but we're doing Macbeth, uh, which is clearly edgy. We're doing Waiting for Godot, which is a classic in the existential literature. We're doing the Vagina Monologues, which is a classic in the modernist literature. And so we're doing some stuff that I think is worthy and um, a little bit more sophisticated. But we also have, you know, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which Kevin suggested. And I would never do that damn show on my own. <laughs> I remember you saying that I'm very like, strongly. oh, my God. But it's a beautiful show. People love it. And it will bring in a different audience. And we're pairing that with God Sees, or Dog Sees God, and, which is edgy. And, and anyway... So, um, so we look for balance. We look for a variety of different things, and I and then we uh, land, you know. And not everybody, and 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 not not everybody is happy with the season ever. That's part of the norm. I always get, I mean, you get feedback from people like, oh, really? That okay? Like, I we're doing Into the Woods next year. That's a favorite of mine. Not everybody likes that show. It's mm -hmm. one of those shows that people have strong feelings about, both good and bad. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just one of those shows. But it, it happens to be one of my favorites. And so there it is on the season. There you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> well, um, do you... Kind of going off of that thought of, you know, you can't please everybody um, all at one time. So you do you ever feel like the pressure to create like the perfect season? Has that ever has that thought ever come across your mind at all? No, because there's always next year. For sure. Right. I mean, the way I look at it is it's like, OK, well. This is what we're doing this year. Like, I'm already thinking about 24 and 25, and mm -hmm. right? And it's like, oh, you know, it's like, 
we really probably should well so over thanksgiving as i was driving home i listened to um god of carnage and and i was like oh my god that's an amazing script i i, I hate the idea of vomiting on stage but um like literally yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but it's Spoiler an alert. amazing script although interestingly enough the script is very much like who's afraid of virginia wolf Right, so like I would never do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and God and Carnage in the same season because they're the same play in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So maybe next year, maybe twenty twenty four is the year we do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, right? And God of Carnage is later. But I am constantly thinking about so so because there's no perfect show, there's no perfect season, there's no perfect production. I think about it. I think about each individual season as an opportunity to do really exciting things, and you can't do all the exciting things at one time or ever. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like uh, when I was in grad school, when I got my MFA in directing, the uh, chair of the department was somebody who's. We were so different. He's nothing like me as a director, and yet he was brilliant. So he was he was further on in his career. He was coming to the end of his career. And so he was building seasons for this program. And this was an amazing this was a, an amazing college program. They did like a dozen shows a year. Mm -hmm. They had a summer program and it was just like all of these different plays. But he was constantly working and thinking about what are the plays that I can put on this season that are gonna check off, you know, he had this list in his head. Because you hit a certain point in your career and it's like, well, you're not going to be doing this forever. So how many of my projects can I check, check, check and do, mm -hmm. you know, before I'm done, mm -hmm. right? And none of us are going to be here forever. And so for me, it's less about the perfect season about than it is about the complete career. Um, so, you know, what project are you most looking forward to? If you could pick one next season, which one are you most excited to see to come for, to fruition? Godot. Godot? Yeah, Godot's my show next year. And I love existential theater. I love theater that's, uh, that says, we don't know what the hell we're doing and there is no point. Like, what more can there be? I mean, my, I, teach, I teach an intro to theater class and one of the things I talk about is that the purpose of theater or the, the development of theater, the change that happens in theater over the last 2,000 years is that when the Greeks did theater and really up through the 19th, 20th, the 19th century, theater answered questions. It told you how to behave. It told you how to live in society. It told you what the, the religious structure you were thin expected from you but when we got past world war one and we get into the 20th century theater changes art changes and and it becomes about not answering these questions because philosophy a philosophy gets to this place where we don't know the answers anymore where life the world is too confusing it's too complex and that's the beauty of existentialist theater right the beauty of waiting for godot is that it asks the question where's godot and and uh and the playwright specifically says this isn't about God. It's not about God. This is not some metaphor for waiting for God, for God, right? That's not the point of the play. But we wait in our lives. We get up in the morning and we're looking for something. We're waiting for something. We don't know what it is. And this is a play about that process, about the hopelessness of that process. And yet 
As I will say to any of my ensembles, our job is to find the joy in the script because life is joyful. And so how do you find joy in a story that is essentially hopeless, right? That's a, that is a, that, that, what, what greater task can an artist have in trying to figure out what they're doing? So yeah, Godot. Godot. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm excited to see that, what? Is it Godot? It is, it's, it's Godot. Godot. Yeah. I think the final answer is Godot. Uh, one, we you've mentioned a lot of the titles from this last from this upcoming season. Um, Godspell is, a, is another one yep. uh, that's that's really exciting. But I want to touch specifically, really quickly before we kind of move on to our next thought, um, is the one at Play Festival, oh! which I think is really unique and exciting. No, um, can you tell us about? Uh, that vision for yeah. for what that is. Well, it's 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 shamelessly modeled on the uh, Minnesota Fringe Festival. So the Minnesota Fringe, which I participated in uh, several times. So the way this thing works is they, if you want to be in the fringe, all you have to do, I, there's some money. You have to give them fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or I can't remember what to be to be in the lottery, but. Uh, uh, it's probably 50. It's not a lot. Anyway, you, you give them your money and your name and the name of your production company, and that's it, right? You don't have to know what you're going to do. You don't have to know who's going to do it. You don't have to know anything. And you give them your name, and uh, they're collecting names right now for their... Tw it's in August. And then in Jan February, they have this big event, and they'll have like five, six, seven hundred people organizations mm -hmm. and they literally have a big old barrel with balls with numbers and they take out numbers and if your number gets drawn if you're one of the 145 organizations that produce in the fringe festival then you get drawn and then you figure out what the hell you're going to do and when fringe happens in august your production company gets five slots at a venue there's like 12 13 different venues each venue has anywhere from eight to 12 companies producing so there's like a this was all these organizations that's that's the inspiration. So we're much smaller. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take names between now and the beginning of January. And then, and so people, no money, we were not asking for a, because we're new, right? There's no fee. So people will give us their names and say, yes, we're interested. And then in January, at the end of January, we will draw in a similar kind of random fashion, six people who will be responsible for producing the one acts for those two weekends. So it's a, it's a, and then each organization gets three performances. They get a one hour slot. They get 10 minutes to set up, 40 minutes to perform, 10 minutes to tear down. Next theater, next production happens. Um, and so they get three, over two weekends, they get three performances and there'll be six different companies. I, you said you're accepting submissions now yeah so there's a there's a spot on the website where you can go under uh happenings it's the uh fringe festival and then you can go there and the and the producer application the link is right there on the page and uh speaking of website stuff uh are auditions for next season happening and happening currently happening and you can find that all on the website yeah it's all on the website under uh there's a happenings and it's auditions and we also post on our facebook page as well as on the uh new 
uh, community theater page and Actors in Wisconsin. Um, and we basically do an audition set each month from now through May. By the end of May, everything for the season will be um, cast. And so we just finished auditions for A Wrinkle in Time. Gavin Annette's directing. He had a great turnout. He's uh, in the process of selecting and confirming. And um, that show will be cast by the end of this week. And then uh, at the end of January, we'll be... Um, doing auditions for Godspell and Philip Jindra is going to be the music director for that. Nice. Yeah, so that's uh, that has not been announced yet. I, I'm announcing it right now. Woot. And, exclusive. Uh, Podcast exclusive. There you go. And uh, so and then we'll have you know each month after that we'll have auditions so that by the end uh, by the end of June we will have Macbeth cast. That's the last one. Um, what kind of projects can we expect other than shows for next year that you're, you know, excited about and et cetera that you want to kind of bring up at this point? Maybe the New Year's Eve event coming up here soon or? Yeah. So you mean like, what do I want to plug at this point? Uh, we're giving the option to plug right now if you want to a little bit. We still have tickets for New Year's. So if you haven't been to our New Year's event, Paul Zuckerman comes uh, with his uh, jazz group and does jazz music we're doing parodies of the 2022 season as entertainment that night so there'll be music and then funny ridiculous scenes and we're also going to have the casino games in the pub that we've had before if you've never seen that i mean literally there's craps and blackjack and roulette and it's a hoot and a half and uh and that'll be a fun celebration on new year's um, and then the first season, and this, the first show of the season is Wrinkle in Time, which opens in March. We also are doing on March 11th, uh, we have our season preview event, which is a little, yeah, last year that sold out completely. And that's just a little snippet from each of the 2023 shows. That'll be fun. And then on the 19th, we have... Uh, um, the uh, St. Patrick's Day music event. So, yes, and that's a fun <laughs> event. So, um, so we have what loads of things. Well, of course, we have um, Lane Yost coming in in May for a weekend for three shows with the John Denver thing. That's super popular. You know, it's been fun this fall. We were able to get the season brochure out. People have been in picking, and you know, people are like, oh, there's like four or five shows I want to see, and we do offer a subscription and it's just the simple thing is uh is that it i know this for myself is hard it's hard to pull the trigger and get out and do things but what we find is that once people come here once that it makes it easier for them and they are more likely to return mm -hmm. so just come and see something what's up listeners this is kevin from the future it was at this point where my microphone stopped recording my audio, so I apologize for the lack of quality, but enjoy the rest of the episode. It's fun to, to get to chat with you because, you know, most of the time when we get to talk, it's either about show stuff or yeah. when you want me to show up to the bar. Right. So. <laughs> right. It's it is nice, nice to hear you talking, talking about the show, the season next year. You have a lot of passion for what you do in that spot. And, and it's worth sort of, I mean, if we're kind of getting to the end, I think it's worth mentioning or talking about sort of just the general concept here i actually just did a posting for 
um, people who are directing this next year. And it's like my final word was, it's like, your first job is to make sure that an ensemble that is here is having fun. It's, you know, we play and we need to play. And if we're not having fun, the audience isn't having fun. And yeah, it it's it's work and it's hard, but the this is about gathering people together to experience a ritual that provides meaning to their life. People come here and experience the ritual of theater in a way that makes their lives a little bit better. And so it's like all the little things we do are about that, about creating that ritualized experience of sharing something together in a space at a moment in a way that's transformative. Thank you again, Michael, for, for hanging out. Um, Thomas and I have some tricks up our sleeves for future episodes in the off season. Oh, for sure. Kevin and I are going to get together and discuss a couple more things. We want to profile a couple other people that do a big part of how the forest happens here. Um, so we're going to do some of those kind of profiling episodes as well as to be honest, the next show is coming up yeah. sooner than later. So after this holiday season, you know, expect a show for wrinkle in time as well. In a heartbeat. Thanks again. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you very much for listening.